Welcome back to Mingus on Tech. I'm Ken Mingus, Executive News Editor at Computer World. I'm here with Sharon Gordon, a senior writer at Computer World. Today's topics are going to be robotics in the workplace and cloud computing, things to work, worry about. All right, and we're back. All right, so Sharon, thanks for stopping by. Uh, what caught my eye was a story you had last week about the impending robotics revolution. And by that, I don't mean that robotics are coming to take us away and to take our jobs, <laughs> but that over the next maybe five to 10 years, there's going to be a real sea change, or there could be a sea change in a lot of industries in terms of robotics kind of gradually rolling into the workplace. And your story focused on what people in IT will need to think about mm -hmm. as that happens. So I, I was just I thought it'd be useful to to go through some of the things that uh, uh, IT workers, IT admins, uh, you know, the, the techies will need to know. So uh, so does that sort of cover what we think is coming with robotics? It does. Sort of. Okay. So that said. Tell me a little bit about what um, the experts are telling us in terms of robotics in the workplace. Well, that robotics are really starting to move into the enterprise. Yeah. <clears throat> They're no longer just giant robots in warehouses moving boxes. That they might be robotic butlers in a hotel delivering snacks or toothbrushes to customers. It might be... Uh, Lowe's has a robot that actually helps. Is that actually find already in the uh, in some of the stores? In eleven stores in Silicon Valley, okay. it will help you find a hammer. It'll help you find the aisle with the nails and the boards. And Which would be more useful than some of the people in Lowe's that I've had to deal with. You know, <laughs> I've seen them too. In uh, aren't hospitals using them to sort of like deliver uh, right. food or medicines to, to to patients in some of the rooms? Right. So instead of someone taking the time to push a cart and take the elevator up to the fifth floor and find where they're going. Someone can actually fill the cart, and then a robot will deliver it. Okay. So, interestingly enough, so it's not going to be robots coming in to take our jobs. It's going to be robots coming in and doing repetitive sort of tasks that then frees up workers to do more, theoretically, more meaningful work. Right. One of the things that IT users and analysts were saying was that this isn't going to be a one-to-one -one human robot replacement. Because you have a robot come in, you're not getting rid of a worker, per se. It might actually just be making the worker's job easier or less dangerous or doing things that are mundane or boring. And now this will free them up. And maybe it'll take on tasks that were physically difficult. And one man we talked to in a hospital talked about how difficult it was on his knees to make those deliveries and pushing the cart. And now he just fills the cart, makes sure it's accurate, and which the is the important thing anyway. I mean, right, actually exactly. delivering them is less important than making sure that the right medicine is getting to the right patient exactly. in the right place. Right. right. And uh, you may not want the robot doing that at this point, but you can definitely have the robot push the cart and deliver it where it needs to go. You do have to kind of wonder if in 20 or 30 years, you know, our robot overlords may then be deciding what medicines we get or don't get, depending <laughs> on how good we've been. Um, on how nicely we treated that Or how robot. nicely we treat the robots. <laughs> it was interesting, too, you know, when, when you talk about any time you've got technology that, that that's rolling into a workplace, um, you're going to have new roles. And one of the things you had noted in your story was that companies need to be thinking about uh, the possibility of a chief robotics officer, mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting to add to the CTO, CIO, CSO, you know, CISO, and now chief robotics officer. 
So that would be someone who basically does what? They would oversee everything in the enterprise dealing with robotics, whether it's uh, building a new infrastructure to run the robotics on, uh, definitely security, uh, online security for the robot, but also physical security, just someone to oversee the entire process and to make sure that the staff is trained because right. not a lot of IT staffs right now have robotics training. Well, that was interesting. You were talking about that. In fact, there are several, several points in your story I wanted to get to, but uh, all right, so in terms of skills, okay, mm -hmm. uh, most of us have not had any training in robotics or dealing with robots. So, I mean, in terms of the kinds of things companies will have to think about, you're talking about, all right, so you're bringing in a chief robotics officer, a company will. You'll also have to bring in people who know robotics and understand the different infrastructure needs that a robot will have while it's going down your hallway or trying to connect to your network, mm -hmm. anything like that. So is it the situation where companies are going to both need to bring in new people and then the people that are there ideally will be boning up their skills? Exactly. Because it may be difficult at this point to find trained robotics people to hire. Uh, because the industry is so new and, right. and just the education around it is still being right. developed, basically. Right. And universities like WPI or Carnegie Mellon, they're pushing these people out, but we don't have a whole lot of them in the industry yet. So you'll be wanting to look for them, but you'll also want to give your own people some robotics training. And the IT managers and even a CIO might need some training just so they understand things like computer vision and artificial intelligence and mobility and all the sensors on a robot and how you're going to fit that robot into your own infrastructure because you'll need to know how is that robot going to deal with elevators or automatic doors? How is it going to fit into security? There will be a lot of ways that you're going to need to fit these machines into your existing infrastructure. Yeah, it's interesting. One of the things that I had not thought about was that when it comes to robots, they're going to need to be a part of the network in some ways so that you know, so that whoever's overseeing them, the chief robotics officer or the IT staff, whatever, knows where they are mm -hmm. and what they're doing. You don't, you don't want Mr. Robot to be running down the hall at high speed. <laughs> or if Mr. Robot bump, bumps into a wall and mm -hmm. suddenly can't deliver those needed medicines to the, you know, the patients in the hospital, that there's some way of, of, of rebooting the robot, getting it back on its track, whatever it's supposed to be doing. And you don't think about that. You know, you, you think about, you know, somebody comes in, you unpack your robot, you turn it on, and suddenly it knows how to do things. And that's not the way it works. Right. It's interesting. Um, one of the other things that I thought was really fascinating was about, uh, let me scroll down and look through your story real quick, because I'm at the infrastructure part right now. Um, oh, was basically training people in the workplace now how to interact with the robot or how to deal with a robot. I mean, basically, because there is this sort of feeling, I think, that robots as they roll out, will replace workers. So you may have workers who are not really happy about the fact that your company has brought in Robbie the robot, you know, <laughs> warning, magnetic storm. Um, Great name, Ken. I like Robbie the robot, you know. I, somebody should do a TV show on that. Um, but no, seriously, that, that you're going to have to train people, um, almost train them out of their fears. Mm -hmm. so that they're not, uh, you know, <laughs> sabotaging your <laughs> robot before it can do whatever it's going to do. Um, and is that something that the chief robotics officer would ideally do, would be, you know, come in and then also sort of organize training in-house for people so that, I mean, I mean, and I'm talking about the people who are going to be working with the robot, not the, the IT people. 
Right. Well, they'll probably need to work with HR or different different groups within the company because you want to make sure that people aren't freaking out that these robots are coming to take their jobs. But you also want to deal with the fact that a lot of people are, will be nervous around a robot and want to make sure that this robot isn't going to hurt them or run into them or pinch them or... You know, you want people to be comfortable working next to this robot. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, you, you've been writing about robots for several years. You, you covered the big DARPA challenge back in 2015. And when you look at, I mean, it seems like the, the industry is, is, is evolving very quickly mm-hmm. beyond where, I mean, some of those robots seem almost simplistic now in terms of what they were doing and what they were, what, what the people who developed them were trying to get them to do. You know, do we... Is it still guesswork in terms of the time frame? I mean, how long do we have before, you know, we'll be seeing robots commonly, you know, in companies? Well, we are seeing robots in enterprises now, but for it to be common, most most industry people are saying within five to ten years. Because there have been so many advances in artificial intelligence and machine learning and computer vision that are really pushing these robots forward. Now, during the DARPA challenge... You saw a lot of robots really struggling, but they were humanoid robots. Right. And a lot of the trouble was that they're upright on two legs, and there are so many issues with balance. And a lot of the so robots... So it's almost mechanical more than, than the, the robotics itself. It's well, the, if you think about a human and all the muscles you use to actually balance yourself just to stand still, mm-hmm. it's much more complicated than you generally think about on a day-to-day basis. But a lot of the robots we're seeing now, whether it's in a hospital or a hotel or a department store, uh, they're not humanoid robots. They're on tracks, they're on wheels, so if they're not dealing so much with that balance issue. So if- they can focus on... All the sensors and all the other issues. Yeah, it's interesting. You you know, you had mentioned, and this was in your story too, the part about artificial intelligence and machine learning, that as that advances, that will allow the robots, you, you might set them up initially to do one task, um, but they, as the, the AI around them develops, they might be able to evolve into doing other tasks, or they will learn on their own what to do if they get off track, mm-hmm. you know, rather than just sort of repeatedly bumping <laughs> into the wall. <laughs> they'll understand that. Um, so anyway, back to the question. So five to ten years, probably, you know, if, if development continues on the current mm-hmm. pace. And they're thinking that if your company isn't using robots in that time frame, you'll be dealing with companies that are, whether for deliveries or for packaging, that somehow you will be dealing with robotics. And the idea behind robotics is, is it, do companies think they can save money? Is oh that, sure. How, because they because they're not having to hire people to do things, or they can be, have people be more productive doing other things. Well, it's a little <clears throat> bit like the cloud. <clears throat> thinking Ooh, that's going to be a good segue in a minute. Good segue <laughs> in a minute. Okay. Yep. Well, in <clears> th- <throat> terms of thinking about using robotics to free up your employees to do the more challenging tasks or to do the tasks that are really going to be an advantage to your business instead of just these routine mundane things that take up your time. So if the robot can do those things, then your human employees can actually focus on bigger picture things. Okay. So the robots will do a lot of the mechanical, menial labor, freeing us up to strategize and think about ways of saving our company's money and That's making more plan. money. That's the plan, right? Exactly. Okay. As you had mentioned, Cloud, I want to move <laughs> on because you had a, a really interesting story today. Um, five pitfalls to avoid when migrating to the cloud. And it's interesting, you don't think about it now because obviously cloud migrations have been going on for a while, but that there are a lot of sort of 
or there are, there are a handful of basic things that companies often still don't do mm-hmm. when they're preparing to move to the cloud. Um, you know, let me just pause one second. I'm going to assume we don't have anything from Facebook Live right now on uh, questions. Good. Okay. Thanks, guys. Um, so anyway, so back to the cloud, the, the five gotchas or the, you know, the things you need to worry about. Um, tell me what companies can do or should be doing before they move to the cloud or once they've moved to the cloud to make sure they're not screwing things up. I think the first thing they need to do is to realize that you don't move to the cloud just to move to the cloud. It's not. It does seem like there was a big, you know, everybody's like, oh, I got to be in the cloud. I got to move all my apps. I got to do this. And, right. But they didn't know what they were doing or how to do it. And or like, why well, they were doing it. Or why it. they were doing right. it. Okay, good point. Yeah. Because they get excited. Everyone's moving to the cloud. We keep hearing that it's saving money. It's saving time. So let's get on the cloud. But they're not really thinking that they need to analyze their business and figure out why are you going to the cloud? Do you want to save money? Do you want to save time? How are we doing that? And looking at your applications and saying, okay, so this application I can just migrate, but this one I probably need to just get rid of and use something like G Suite or something that's already on the cloud. Why rebuild it into the cloud? Right, yeah. Like Office 365, I think one of the one of the things you had mentioned in your story was if you've got an old email system that you're probably going to discard anyway, mm-hmm. why in the world would you spend a lot of time trying to migrate that to the cloud when right. you can easily replace it and save mm-hmm. money with something that's already in the cloud? Right. Yeah, so, so step one is going to be to basically figure out why are you going to the mm-hmm. cloud. Step two would be? Looking at your applications okay. and figuring out which ones you want to start with. You probably don't want to start with your most business-critical application. Because <laughs> oh, why not? <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> because if you're going to make your first mistakes, you want it to be on a basic application that's not going to bring your company down. <laughs> okay. Yes, that would be true, especially if you're in like banking or healthcare or something like that. And you need to look at those applications and figure out what what resources do they need. And you don't want to buy too many resources in the cloud and pay too much when you could easily scale up or down. You want to look at like this one uh, company I interviewed talked about their email system and how they didn't think about how the calendaring was going to be different in the cloud. And all their executive assistants were really unhappy with them because they needed to handle multiple calendars at one time and simply weren't able to do it with their new application. So they hadn't looked at who was using their application and how they were using it before they migrated. Okay. So basically, step one, figure out why you're going to the cloud. Step two, analyze your apps. Mm-hmm. And don't do mission critical first. <laughs> right. and, and also you had pointed out that, you know, if you've got, say, a hundred different apps that you that your company uses, for God's sakes, don't do them all at once. Pick no. five or ten, you know, easy, low level, simple Maybe things. Pick one. Maybe pick one. Okay, I guess I'm being ambitious here. But all right, so you pick one and migrate that, figure out the needs there, and then that will give you almost a template Mm -hmm. for figuring out what to do with future apps. Right. But before you even get that far, you need to really focus on training because a lot of companies, especially if they haven't done a migration before, really don't have that cloud background. Right. And so the IT managers, uh, the IT workers really need to understand the cloud and not just that they're doing a lift and shift, as they call it. You're not just picking up your application and all your data and you know plopping it down in the cloud. You want to customize it, modernize it, so you're using all those cloud services. Right. So you're not just keeping data there, you're actually using it smarter. Okay. Um, also, one of the things, that I, it, 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 it stuns me that companies don't think about this, but that when they're looking at, at moving to the cloud, 
they don't think about costs, either what they're going to save or how much more they might wind mm-hmm. up spending. And this this gets back, I think, to the to the what you just said about don't overbuy. You know the the needed services in the cloud because you may not need them and you're mm-hmm. spending money that isn't going to isn't going to do you any good. Right. That's a, it's, it's fun. You would think that companies would think about that first. Well, and I'm sure they're, the IT people are going to the business executives and saying, we're going to save so much money in the cloud, but they're not thinking what they're going to have to spend to get there. Right. Because they're pulling a lot of IT people off their normal jobs to work on this migration. And so other projects they may have going are going to be put on the back burner, or it may cost you a lot more to handle your data in the cloud. You know, you really need to look at all the angles and see how this is going to affect your costs. So there's an opportunity cost. Basically, if you're pulling your IT people off to to migrate to Mm -hmm. the cloud, there are projects, maybe needed projects, that are not getting done because they're already busy on this other thing, which may or may not pay off. And down the road, the whole optimism with the cloud is that your IT people will be freed up from handling your data and your email and they can work on these bigger projects. But for the migration, they're going to be really distracted. Okay. One of the other points you had too, and this goes back to the, you know, not going beyond lift and shift, is the idea that the companies seem to think that, okay, we've, we've got our applications, we've moved the ones to the cloud that we want to, we, we didn't do business critical, and we're done. And they're actually not done because then you've got management around, you know, once everything's up and running in the cloud, how do you get your IT staff pointed toward, you know, keeping that running? Right. And how do you use that data in the cloud now maybe to do better business analysis so you can figure out where your products are selling better or who are, who is buying those products? And there are just a, there's a lot more analysis opportunity for people. Okay. Good. Let me just look and check. I want to make sure I didn't miss any points because this story went on. (laughs) No, it was really detailed and it was really good. I'm sorry. Did you start? You want to say something? I was just going to talk about with the cloud again. It's all training. It's all about training. training. Okay. We have actually a question. Yeah. Go ahead. We have a question. Uh, Namala Naga. What security can we expect from cloud for banking? Wow. Pretty detailed. That's a great question, actually. And one of the things that analysts brought up for this story was that you need to look at your applications that are going to be regulated. Right. And don't... Like if you're in healthcare or banking, for instance. Right. So if you're in healthcare, you have to think about HIPAA applications and banking. There are a lot of uh, federal and state regulations. And don't start with those applications. (laughs) And then you'll have to deal with a cloud provider, whether it's AWS or Microsoft or Google or IBM, uh, that can handle those specific regulations and make sure that you are complying. You have to be compliant. So you really need to, basically this would go back to the point of when you're analyzing your apps and what you're moving to the cloud, you know what you're required to do in terms of security. And you need to make sure when you're working out your service agreements, mm-hmm. with whoever your cloud exactly. provider is, that they can meet those needs. Mm-hmm. And, and I would assume that something like AWS or Microsoft, you know, that they will have the ability to meet those security needs, but you've got to you've got to check that off mm-hmm. first because you don't want to get with a cloud provider who might give you a great deal, but your you know but your data is completely insecure. But then you're insecure. not compliant, right? Right. And there are some cloud uh, providers who are known for being great working with healthcare, great working with the financial industry. Well, in which case, it obviously would 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 pay, I would think, to talk to your peers at other other companies mm-hmm. and other operations doing the same thing you're doing, if for no other reason to say, okay, you know, who did you guys choose? Why did you choose them? And, you know, so that's where that sort of peer-to-peer thing comes in handy. Um, You had started to say something about training, that it's important to make sure that 
everybody is trained once things are up in the cloud, or did we cover that? Well, you really need to make sure that they're trained before you start your cloud migration so that they are thinking about customization and modernization, and they're not just moving an old app to the cloud. They're not using the same processes in the cloud as they did on-premises. But then, obviously, your training is going to continue the more involved you get with the cloud. Right. And it's interesting, too. One of the things that uh, I was talking uh, with Scott Finney, editor-in-chief, earlier about cloud stuff, the issue that I think a lot of people, a lot of companies may not have thought of yet is once you've gone to the cloud, if you decide to back out and want to get out of the cloud, and and, and I'm, this is not really a question, it's more of an observation, but... Um, once you're in the cloud and you need to get your data back, it's very messy because mm -hmm. you don't know, you know, have you gotten all of your data? Are there copies of that data floating around in the cloud provider? You know, and so one of the things you need to think about, and this goes back to point number one, analyze your business needs. Think about if you're moving to the cloud and you decided or somebody else decided for you in a few years to get out of the cloud, mm -hmm. how easy or hard that would be to do. Right. And... Part of saving money when you're moving to the cloud is, okay, I'm not using this data center anymore, so let's sublet it. Let's lease it out. Let's get rid of it. Or we're not, we don't need this hardware. Let's stop buying this hardware. So if you want to get out of the cloud, what are you going to run all of this? What do you move it back to? Exactly. So once you, okay, good. Good points. All right. So I think that covers it for cloud. I think that covers it for robotics. I We don't have to worry about robots in the cloud yet, right? Uh, well, robotics always uses the cloud. Sure. Yeah, okay. Right, exactly. <laughs> but the robots in the cloud are not coming for us. That's how they'll communicate to, uh, use it to our overlords. Us. Yes. <laughs> That's how they'll know to find <laughs> us and get us, right? Great. Okay. No, our dystopian future once again. Okay, Sharon, thanks a lot. I thanks, really Ken. appreciate the information. I think for now, that's a wrap.